All right, welcome back. Hi, everyone. Welcome to episode five. Join us, besties, Ana and Balta, where we shake open gate kept knowledge and reveal the unwritten rules that helped us get from point A to point B. Get to know our perspectives and journeys as we reflect on growing up in immigrant families in Arizona. We reflect on our nonlinear paths where we often experience being the first. So grab your cafecitos as we go from point A to point B. Hey, friend. How's it going? I'm good. How are you? Good. I'm glad to be checking in um, and just, you know, uh, update people on what we've been up to. It's been a while. It has. I've gotten a lot of questions like, Anna, where have you been? I don't know if you've gotten the same questions. Tell me. Yeah. Where's the project? Where's the child? Yeah. Um, where, what directions are we heading? We're here, though. Yeah, we're still here. Uh, we're here. We're thriving. You know, holiday season always takes part of our lives with family and tradition. Yeah, December and- was so busy. Hope you all had a Feliz Navidad and Happy New Year. Happy New Year. 2023 is great so far, and I know it's been great for you. So let's update everybody. Where have we been? Where have we been? Yeah, I mean, 2023 has been a year, I think, of transitions, just full of big changes, I think, for both of us. Yeah, I'd like to just share like uh, things that have been going on in terms of those big life changes in my career. So to answer the question, where have we been? We've been quitting jobs. (laughs) Banta has. (laughs) To clarify, Banta has been quitting his job. Or he already quit his job. but um, And that's why we wanted to do this episode and really talk, you know, about Balta and his experience. And I want to learn more. I'm sure everybody wants to learn more. Yeah, it's nice to be on the hot seat today. Hot seat. Um, But I guess where, where can I start? Um, I think where my, I guess, uh, transition started was, so I moved back to Phoenix from Washington, D.C. in September of last year. Mm-hmm. And then with that move just came a lot of like life changes. I was living in a new place um, mm-hmm. and just it was hard trying to adjust working at East Coast schedule in a mountain standard time zone. But besides that, I just had a lot of different questions going on at the time. It was, I don't know, just a lot of unhappiness, Mm -hmm. like in terms of where I was in my career. Uh, This was the first job I had outside of grad school. And so with that, I mean, I entered this career with a lot of excitement, lots of hopes, and uh, definitely lots of high expectations in terms of like wanting to advance professionally, like in, uh, in my career, like at the organization I was in, I was in the federal government. Uh, But then I realized after a lot of reflection um, that I just wasn't happy, didn't feel like I had like a strong fit there, like a strong job fit. And so I think that's super important. Like when you are in your career is to reflect on, are you actually engaged in the work that you're doing? Do you feel like it like is personally fulfilling and are you, are you being fulfilled in those sort of aspects in terms of the work that you're accomplishing And for me, like I came in, like I love policy work, Mm -hmm. I love policy research. And so that's what drove me to this career in this career field. I think I'm still wanting to work in the policy field and the field of public policy and the public sector in the future. However, I found aspects of this work that just didn't appeal to me. Mm -hmm. I did not like being behind a desk eight to five. 
uh, doing the same sorts of tasks and not really having a lot of involvement or a lot of engagement with people outside of the organization. So I really did feel isolated in that aspect. I felt that I'm a more people-facing, community-facing mm-hmm. type of person. And so I wanted that kind of experience in my next job. And so with that, I decided to quit my job in December. After much consultation, actually, um, I spoke with uh, my counselor about this. Mm-hmm. I was asking questions about why am I not being fulfilled? Yeah. Why do I feel yeah. disengaged? Can you elaborate on what kind of questions you started asking yourself? And, yeah. you know, as you mentioned, started talking to others and getting perhaps their perspective, like what were some of the notes that you were taking down that allowed you to make this decision? Sure. I think a lot of the things that we discussed in our meetings were about just the specific, um, you know, my day to day. I I didn't feel like I was happy in my job. I felt like it was more stressful to be at my job. And there were certain triggering things like about the work that I did and about just like encounters like with um, my manager, for Mm -hmm. instance, that might also be rooted like just in job trauma from like previous jobs. Um, That could be it. Yeah. I think with that, just also I learned different strategies just for uh, engaging Mm -hmm. with uh, people like providing feedback to my supervisor, but also um, asking for feedback and making sure that I'm communicating my needs like in the workplace. Okay. And so I did those things, but also I think there comes a point where maybe things become less tolerable for you, like as an individual. Mm -hmm. And so I always reflected on how much more am I willing to take? Mm -hmm. And um, I think we all also have like just like a limited capacity and carrying capacity. And so for me, it got to a point where I felt that I didn't want to continue in this position. And Mm -hmm. I I felt like I would be happier elsewhere in a different type of role Mm -hmm. that I found more fulfilling. So I did take notes of like what aspects of the work that I, that I did like. Yeah. And it wasn't like a completely terrible job. It was just, there were aspects of the work that I just did not really Mm -hmm. vibe or jive with. Mm -hmm. And so for me, uh, reflecting on what it is like in a future position that I wanted. And I know for me, I wanted, um, and I was lacking this in my in my last role, was uh, being uh, in a role where I can see the sort of fruits of my labor, but mm-hmm. also see the impacts of like the work that I'm doing. Yeah. And that's really what I wanted to go to grad school for, was to like pursue meaningful, purposeful work. And eventually just be in a role where I felt that I was accomplishing work that was for the benefit of like the social good. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I just want to save the world and like get ah! paid for it. Superman with money. <laughs> yes. Let's get paid for, you know, our passions, yes. right? Okay. So you asked yourself the tough questions. You spoke with others. You took notes and reflected and yeah. you made a decision, right? Mm-hmm. So I eventually to came. ultimately quit. Yeah, I came to the decision. I mean, I mean, there's like ebbs and flows. Like, right, you can feel stressed in a job, but at some points you're just like reflecting and sort of like gaslighting yourself. Like, is it that bad? Mm-hmm. Like, am I actually just. Um, Not the gaslighting yourself. Over, am I just like, yeah, am I gaslighting myself? Like, is yeah. it as bad as it seems? 
And just like in talking with my therapist about this as mm-hmm. well, we were just talking about, oh, like maybe there's some weeks where it becomes more tolerable. Mm-hmm. And what was stressful for you might have slowed down or like become less stressful, but then it might pick up again in the future. Mm. And so we talked about also strategies for managing those types of stress or managing through those types of situations. And so I did finally look, did my research on how to uh, depart the organization Mm -hmm. and started my plan there. Mm -hmm. I planned a few weeks in advance just to give my organization a heads up and I notified my superiors in advance of my decision. And so that's really what got the ball rolling. Mm -hmm. And then eventually, I don't know, I was very, I had the resolve like then, like I knew I wanted to leave. And so for me, once I knew um, that that was the decision and the route that I was going to take, then I actually went through with that decision. I got the steps in order uh, to quit and to um, officially separate from from that job and that organization. Um, I think with the whole resignation uh, came just a, a whole like reflection process, and that was well, like what did this organization give me? Like how did I benefit from this experience, mm-hmm. and what did I learn? And I think for me, like I left with data. I, I know like what I do like about a job and like what I don't like about a job. And so with that information, I'm just going forward and planning better for the future and like how I want to plan for a more fulfilling career. And that's what I'm using now as like I'm trying to pivot to a new uh, sort of policy area. So lessons learned, right? Lessons learned. You live, you learn. You live, you learn. You know what you like, you know what you don't like. Another good nugget from this was that um, I don't know, people like who I've talked with about this decision they've kind of like just reflected with me and said, well, it's good that you didn't end up like in a career field, like for 25 plus years and like mm-hmm. you were unhappy and you just stayed unhappy or like miserable mm-hmm. because sometimes we might be socialized to stay in a position if it's mm-hmm. like a rewarding career field or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think now it's like, if you are considering a redirection or like pursuing other career opportunities, I think you should afford yourself some flexibility in that, um, in that respect. And so I think if you are considering a career shift or a career pivot, I think uh, definitely um, consider it. I think it's an option. I think there are people out there willing to support you find either a career coach for me, in my case, I went to my, therapist just to talk about strategies for finding more engaging work. And so thankfully, like, I found somebody who I could work with, strategize with on how to leave a situation where I was unhappy and to move into a direction where I'm fulfill- like where I'm pursuing more fulfilling work. So that's my advice to you. Yes. And I remember um, Baltasar expressing this to me, saying I'm going to quit. And I remember you sending me the text message and us talking about it. And I'm like, you did it. Now what? (laughs) So what happens after that? Yes. Where did you end up? Not a job. (laughs) (laughs) And so now. um, Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. For as far as like next steps, I decided to take some time off and didn't really know where I was going to go next. I didn't have. So I quit without a opportunity lined up Mm -hmm. which might not be advisable for some people in some situations so Mm -hmm. if you do 
if you do find yourself in a situation where you have to either plan for that sort of transition, definitely make sure that you have the financial security to make that decision. Mm-hmm. Um, I was in a place where I felt secure that I could quit my job and then take start a, a job search and then also take a break. Yeah. And so for me, my situation was I quit my job in December of 2022. And then I decided to plan a solo trip. And with that, I decided to take an extended solo trip and take a lot of time off. And so I took a trip in January of 2023. I This came as a shock, I think, to people. Yes, that, to me. I think to everybody. And I think... Which this, was great. I, yeah, I booked a flight the same week that I was going to leave the country. And maybe it's spontaneous or impulsive. I don't think it was as spontaneous or impulsive um, as it might have seemed. Yeah. Uh, because I've been thinking about traveling for some time now. Mm-hmm. And I had been doing research many weeks. I also was gaslighting myself outside of buying this flight. But anyways, eventually I did decide I wanted to take a trip and I decided to buy a ticket to um, Sao Paulo, Brazil. And I was in Brazil for three weeks and I had one of the most incredible experiences. I think for me, it still continues to this day. Like I, I find so many tidbits from that trip that I just learned so much and it was, it was just, uh, I left very awe-inspired and just inspired by the people who I met in Brazil and the experiences that I had there. Which is great because now Balta can give us his tips and tricks and advice for whenever we want to travel to Brazil, right? Like, can you create an itinerary for us? Can you tell us the do's and don'ts? Can you tell us where to go? Maybe even where to buy my flight? Like, he also texted me saying, like, oh, I bought my ticket for Friday. And this was, what, like a Tuesday? And he was like, yeah. I'm leaving Friday. I'm like, which Friday? This Friday? And he's yeah. like, this Friday. I was like, okay. Thanks for the invite. So I just, just decided to up and leave. Honestly, that was... No me pito porque si voy. Yeah, I think that was um, <laughs> a bit nerve-wracking at the beginning because I was like, yeah. oh, where am I going to stay? What am I going to do? I remember um, that. So a lot of it was, I guess unplanned but Mm -hmm. i think in this sort of uh spontaneous travel i did learn a lot about myself and i'm happy to share any travel tips any travel itineraries Mm -hmm. i ended up having a really amazing trip despite it not being as thoroughly planned as some people might have thoroughly planned their trips uh yes it's very inspiring for me when people go on solo trips because i think it's beautiful that Mm -hmm you know, a journey to self-discovery or just maybe even healing or taking a break, taking some time off and exploring a new country, right? So I would love to know, and the fans would love to know, like, why Brazil and what sparked your interest to that specific place in the world? And yeah, tell us more about how you came to that decision. Yeah, for me, I don't have like a clear cut like the like reason why I decided to go to Brazil. I think it's a culmination of factors. I have been thinking about going to Brazil just because carnival's coming up mm-hmm. in February. And also, um, I don't know, I just spent time in Portugal last summer as well. So for me, just like being able to practice my Portuguese there, I wanted to also get the 
like the experience of traveling to Brazil and, and practicing my Portuguese in Brazil. Can you teach us a little? Yeah, I can, I can. I can. I can say a few phrases after okay, my say, three weeks there. Say um, something. Olá, bom dia. Uh, sou Baltazar. Uh, eu moro nos Estados Unidos. That's about. Eu sou chipego. I sou chipego. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, after three weeks, I felt like immersed. I mean, for well, me... But what did you just say? Tell us what you just said. Yes. So for me, I, I for those of you who don't speak um, Portuguese, don't speak Portuguese um, I just said, um, hello, um, good morning. It's actually evening now, but good morning. Uh, my name is Baltasar, and I live in the United States. I understood that part. Yeah. Um, and so I think, I think like you said earlier... Mm-hmm. Um, just reflecting on how people sort of take these journeys, whether it be just, I don't know, just for travel and like Mm -hmm. for the, for the fun and like the, uh, just like the adventure of like leaving your country and like getting to explore other places. Mm -hmm. Um, I think for me, without even like wanting it to be like, it did end up becoming a very much one of those trips where you just leave sort of impacted and like, Mm -hmm. um, I don't know, I felt very much um, transformed by that experience mm-hmm. just because I met people and had experiences that sort of really opened up my mind and allowed me to appreciate the culture and just get to appreciate other perspectives and um, really get to know a place um, through the people that I met in, in that country. So Yeah, well, so... When you first got there, something very historic happened in Brazil, right? Can yes. you tell us about what happened and what you lived through and the streets that you were walking through? Like, what happened? Yeah, so very historic time in Brazil. And I got there on January 8th, 2023. And so as soon as I got there, uh, the first day, like on the news, all you saw was uh, essentially um, um, huge... Uh, rallies and protests and riots, essentially. Um, mm-hmm. And so there was a new president elected at the beginning of 2023. And so supporters of the ousted president, Jair Bolsonaro, ended up storming what's essentially the equivalent of our U.S. capital in Brazil, in Brasilia. And um, their seats of government basically were... Uh, Like this whole event basically looked just like the January 6, 2021 events in which uh, Donald Trump supporters uh, basically like led that insurrection and Mm -hmm. uh, destroyed the Capitol. Mm -hmm. That basically was happening in the capital of Brazil. And so that's crazy. Yeah. um, And all you saw on the news, like, I mean, in the little Portuguese that I understood, Mm every like person that was on the camera was comparing the events in Brasilia to what happened two years ago in the Washington DC. Yeah. And so that was just like the beginning of a lot of learning for me and like what was happening in Brazil. Um, what I can compare it to is just like after the election of Joe Biden in the United States, how there was like a lot of political division. You saw how close the margins were between Donald Trump and Joe Biden it was similar uh, in Brazil between mm-hmm. presidents uh, Jair Bolsonaro and president Lula da Silva. And so 
that was just the beginning, like I said, of like lots of comparisons that I saw and like lots of similarities that I saw between Brazilian society and U.S. society. Um, I can go into a lot more about how these countries are so similar. Yeah. So what an experience, right? Yeah. Did you um, connect with any folks there during that experience or even afterwards? And how was your experience with connecting with people over there and practicing your Portuguese and getting to learn about the culture, the people, the history there? Yeah. So later that week, I was in Sao Paulo. And in Sao Paulo, in the huge avenue there, it's called Avenida Paulista. Um, there was essentially a huge pro-democracy rally in response to the events of January 8th. And so I happened to just walk in on that. I was walking <laughs> back to the Airbnb there that I was staying in. And um, I mean, it was impossible to get like through the crowds because there was just thousands and thousands of people mm-hmm. in Avenida Paulista. And I'm sure like it was not advisable for like Americans to be traveling like through these like huge demonstrations. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was mostly peaceful. Like it was like just people there voicing their support for Brazilian democracy. And it was, it was cool to see like as a foreigner, just in to be able to witness that event, you saw just like people there, like proclaiming their support for like uh, peace and like, um, denouncing any sort of like um, radical actions that were taking place in Brasilia at that yeah. at that time. And so, yeah, it was really beautiful to see uh, just like the diversity, but also like the youth that were there. There was a lot of young Brazilians in the streets that day. The young people. And yes. I was just like walking back to like my Airbnb and like more and more people were just coming out of the yeah. subway stations and it was just filling up with a lot of people. And there was like music and like, a lot of like really positive uh, vibes there. So that was really interesting to see. Um, but later on, just like in me getting to know Brazil, I just found like a lot of similarities between the U.S. and Brazil, for instance, mm-hmm. in regards to racial inequality. I mean, the, this is like pretty much like standard across like the world. But I mean, in Brazil, I think it's very pronounced And in Brazil, like, there's a large Afro-Brazilian population. However, um, I found that Brazilians are pretty segregated. Like, just walking through the very affluent parts of town, Mm -hmm. you noticed that there were more, like, phenotypically white people. And you saw um, mostly Afro-Brazilians working in service occupations. And um, later on, I learned just, like, how this segregation manifests in what we know as favelas, which are informal settlements or informal housing settlements. Um, you might be familiar with the term. Essentially, these are, I would describe them as unincorporated areas because they don't really have like official sort of water systems or electricity systems. And then also there's like no official like census counts of like who lives in a favela, mm-hmm. but it's estimated that they are predominantly black Brazilians. And so, Uh, For me, it was just eye-opening to get to see that level of segregation, racial inequality, and difference and sort of opportunity in Brazil. And I found it so strikingly strikingly similar Mm -hmm. to what I see in the United States. Wow. 
Yeah. Did you expect to see that or like learn from it or? I think for me, it just helped me to see because um, also like in the United States, right, we just also had our experience with a far right leader in the United States. And so Brazilians are just, they just came out of that experience as well Mm -hmm. and are now like, um, they have a new president who has talked about how he wants to support marginalized groups in the country. And so it's a positive step for those communities um, who just essentially dealt with a very extremist president who said racist things. Yeah. And, and so, I don't know, I just found all of that experience to be too similar and resembled a lot of what I saw in the United States in the past uh, five years. Wow. Yeah. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. I think it's you know, when you notice similarities in places that you live in and countries, and it just makes you think, for me, as a policy nerd, and you as a policy nerd, right, like, maybe even similarities in policies across nations, right? Mm -hmm. And how those can really impact communities that need it most for equity. Tell us more about your experiences there. And, you know, besides great educational experiences, what were some of the tours that you took and some self-reflections of solo traveling that you would like other people to learn about or hear uh, about your stories there? Sure. I think um, when people think about solo traveling, I mean, you might, right, like it's, I think, a natural reaction from our families to be like, oh, this (laughs) is terrifying i don't want like my child (gasps) to be out there in the world in brazil yeah by themselves and so i mean when i left for brazil like my mom was like in tears and i'm like mom i'm gonna be fine oh your mama missed you and so when i left like um i don't know i felt confident in like my like travel experience that Mm -hmm. i can like go abroad and like be safe by myself um however i just think that there's a I guess a few uh, pieces of, pieces of advice I would give to solo travelers, and if you are planning to travel solo, um, definitely do your research. Uh, don't go into situations unprepared or uninformed about the safety conditions. And if you want to read more about the safety of the country that you're traveling to, read up on the United States Department of State's websites. Mm-hmm. There are regions of the world you should probably avoid yes not go to yeah but i think as with a lot of major cities uh you should definitely be aware of pickpockets of uh you know just um petty thefts and those kinds of crime also if like as a solo traveler like you might feel uh, insecure just about walking like in public by yourself Uh, That's, I guess, natural to feel that sort of fear. Mm -hmm. However, I was able to walk in the most like tourist areas Mm -hmm. and feel completely safe. Like I felt like I was walking in any other major city. Mm -hmm. Um, However, like in the nighttime, it's probably not advisable to walk alone at night by yourself and Uber everywhere like at night if you have to get places. So what are some things, things that you will forever carry in your heart from this experience 
So, like, did you buy something and bring it back? Or, like, what are some memories that you'll always turn to and that you'll think about when you think of Brazil? Yeah. So, while I was in Brazil, I I really decided to go all out. Like, on this experience, I decided, like, I want to have the full experience. I wanted to go there, um, just experience, like, the local culture and, like, find out, like, more about the local customs. Um, but as far as... Um, things that I brought back from Brazil. Like I'm not a material person. So whenever I go abroad, like I'm not a huge souvenirs guy. Uh, but while I was in Brazil, I did come back with some of my favorite sandals, which are called Havaianas. It's like, are a, you wearing them? Not right now, you but brought them. <laughs> um, Havaianas, if you've never seen Brazilian flip-flops, they're very comfy. And I rocked them everywhere when Inserts I was at the beach. Here. Yeah. That was the really great thing about Brazil. I, I found myself like reflecting on this too was um, when I was in a big city like Rio de Janeiro, mm -hmm. people are so casual there. You'll see people walking around in swim shorts, bikinis, and sandals and flip-flops everywhere in public. And so it's so hot there. It makes sense why people yeah. are just in swim clothes all the time. And it was just so commonplace to see people in their swim outfits at a Starbucks, at a coffee shop, at a restaurant. And so I really liked that aspect of Rio, that it was so casual and nobody really dressed up to go anywhere. Great, right? Yeah. Super easy. It was fantastic. But I also brought some chocolates. I did. Some what, of my favorite you, chocolates. Who told you to buy these and why did you buy them? Yeah. So I bought these because my favorite, uh, well, my favorite candies in Brazil are the there are a few different ones there's sonio de vals and there's also um beijinhos and like a few different ones that i like um but really delicious este se ve que tiene banana plátano why does it look yeah, it literally it says, has bananas on there it says caribe and macio i think this one might be banana flavored i don't think i tried that one my favorite one was the pau de med Okay, that means um, bread with honey. I like that one. Do you want to eat this? Um, we can share it. Let's sure. try it. So we're going to do a taste test. Wait. Brazilian chocolate, though, if you have not had Brazilian chocolate, it's delicious. Mm, it definitely tastes like bananas. Wow. Mm. You know what it tastes like? The choco bananas. Mm. The ones that you would do as a little kid and you just, you know, choco banana. It really does taste like actual banana. It really does. I was mm -hmm. not expecting it. Mm -hmm. mm, I don't know if it's my favorite, though. Mm -hmm. The other one's my favorite. Yeah. Um, but this is... Fun. Oh, yeah. The other one I like is Serenata de Amor. They're like these um, I didn't chocolates with like a sort of custardy kind of filling. Um, yeah, Brazilian chocolates. Also Brazilian food. Uh, all around is super delicious. What was your favorite dish? My favorite dish, I would say, well, I went to a churrascaria there, which is a churrascaria uh, we're familiar with, like a steakhouse. Mm -hmm. and Fogo de chao? Like a fogo de chao in the United States. Um, anyways, like a rodizio style, like mm. meat, uh, like steakhouse are uh, very popular. And I, I went to one when I was in Rio. And it's great. People bring lots of meat to your table, and you can request whatever meat that you want. 
And yeah, that was probably my favorite dining experience there. But the street food in Brazil is amazing as well. Uh, lots of, they call them uh, salgados. Mm-hmm. And so salgados are basically any sort of like, I don't know, like street fried food um, that you might find in Brazil. My favorite were these ones that, that are called coxinhas. They're basically like fried dough and they're in the shape of a teardrop. Wow. But they're filled with shredded chicken. Does it have cheese? There, some of them do come with cheese. I love cheese. And so we love cheese. Cheese there that they use is basically like a cream cheese. Oh. And they call it uh, catupiry. Okay. And it's really delicious. You can find them everywhere. Where can we find the best Brazilian food in Phoenix? Let us know. Do you know? That's a good question. Let us know. Um, but... Back to like the earlier question, like also like why I decided to go to Brazil. Yeah. I had a Brazilian American friend who I reached out to and he has family in Recife, Brazil. And so um, he actually lives in Phoenix. And so shout out to Hezekias for helping me with planning my trip. He helped me plan the leg of my trip that was in the northeast of Brazil. Mm-hmm. And he actually linked me to his sister-in-law who's a cab driver. And she took me to like some of the nicest beaches in the Northeast. And so that also inspired my trip was knowing people who are from the country and them um, allowing me to learn more about the culture through their family and through their friends. And then you were able to connect with my friend, Jasmine. This is true. This is true. Shout I out Jasmine. If you're watching this, thanks for yes. showing Balt around. I met up with uh, a friend of Anna's who's working in Rio de Janeiro and we met up for lunch and Jasmine also had excellent recommendations on things to do, hikes and other tours in Rio de Janeiro, which I got to partake in while I was in Rio. So thank you. Great. Thank you so much. Yeah, of course. And thank you all so much for always tuning in and for supporting Baltasar and I in this little journey of ours with our podcast we really appreciate it and we look forward to more episodes to come in the future as always feel free to comment let us know what you think we really do appreciate the text messages that we get from all of you saying that you like listening to our content and that you think that it's great that we're sharing the information that we share so that makes us really happy so thank you all and Thanks, Marta, for being in the hot seat today. Of course. Uh, Thank you for the questions. And it was a good exercise just for me to reflect on my trip. Yes. To the next hot seat. Yes. Where you'll be sitting in. Oh, we'll see about that. Just kidding. Um, Thank you all for tuning in. That's it for today's episode. Feel free to let us know what you think. And we look forward to catching up with you in our next episode.